Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. And we'll begin with verse number 6. It is a little bit of a lengthy reading, but I wanted you to get the entire story. Ten verses of scripture here. Judges chapter 2, and we'll begin with verse number 6. Judges 2 and verse 6. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance, in Timnath Heres. I'm going to wait until Brother Goff gets to read all these scriptures and find out how it was supposed to be pronounced. So, uh, In the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill, Gaash. And also all the generation, or all that generation, were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them. And provoked the Lord to anger, and they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. As the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. What, uh, what a sad commentary. Verse 7 says that the people served the Lord. Verse 7, they served the Lord. But in verse 10, there arose another generation which knew not the Lord. And I, I want to preach to you. As I said, I know that the title sounds negative, but, but bear with me today and help me preach. I want to, I want to preach to you for a little while this morning about the last generation. The last generation. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you pray with me and for me right now? I need God's help today. I really need the touch of the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord together, everybody. Lord Jesus. I can't do anything without you, God. I know that 
I don't have the ability through oratory, through intellect, to reach the hearts of men and women. But God, your spirit can do what my words and my logic can never do. And I know, God, there are those under the sound of my voice today who need to hear from you. And I pray, oh Lord God, that you would help me to deliver the burden of my heart. Speak to this people today, God. Use me for your glory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's worship him one more time before we're seated. Everybody, let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. And again, I, I uh, just, just try to follow where I'm at. And, and there's some of this that we will not take the time to read every verse. But, but um, I do want to point some things out to you. This is, as I said, a sad, sad commentary of a people who, who went through a very terrible fall. Uh, in their spiritual walk. They went from serving God to serving idols. In these 10 verses, we read what I believe is one of the saddest stories found in the scripture. In verse 7, we read uh, that the people served the Lord. They served the Lord. Now, verse 6 tells us that they went to their inheritance. They went to their inheritance to possess the land. And verse 7, they served the Lord. What, what a great thing to say about this generation. If we could maybe refer to them as a winning generation. Here was a generation that uh, had entered into the land of Canaan and they were possessing their promises and serving the Lord. Amen. That's where I want to be. That's the condition I want to find myself in. Hallelujah. Amen. Every promise that God's made, I, I, I want to find myself possessing those things that God said were mine. Amen. And I know, I know that as long as I make it my business to serve Him, He's going to make it His business to fulfill the promises that He's made to me. Come on, does anybody believe what I'm saying right now? Amen. I've got one job. Listen to me. I've got one job. My job is not to fulfill the promises. My job is just to serve the Lord. My job is just to keep on doing what I know is right. Keep on living for Him. Keep on trusting Him. Keep on believing Him. Don't lose my faith. Don't lose my confidence. Just keep doing what I know is right. And God's job is to fulfill the things that he said he would do. Hallelujah. 
He doesn't owe me an explanation as to when. He doesn't have to pull his calendar off his wall and show me, here's the day. I got it circled. Here's when it's coming. He doesn't have to do that. I just know if I'll keep living for him, that day is on his calendar. And one of these mornings, I'm going to wake up and it's going to happen. Hallelujah. One of these mornings, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to find myself right, as they say down south, right smack dab in the middle of the promises of God being fulfilled. Listen to me. God's not forgotten anything that he has said to this church. He's not forgotten anything that has come across this pulpit. He's not forgotten any word that any man of God has spoken to us. He's not forgotten any promise that he's made you as an individual God doesn't forget God has made promises and if we'll just keep on living for him we don't know when we don't know how but we do know he's going to keep his word see see these these people of this generation It took 40 years for them just to get into the land of promise. But now, now, Joshua, Joshua has reached the age of 110. And so he spent quite a few years. This generation has spent a number of years. Caleb was 80. Joshua's probably about that same age. So they've, they've spent 25, 30 years at this point. And still, verse 6 tells us that they're going back and, and possessing these promises. So some of them hadn't been fulfilled 25 or 30 years after they got into the land of promise. They're still, still pursuing some of these promises, but, but they didn't lose hope. They didn't lose faith. They just kept trusting God. They kept believing God would do what He said. But as we read to you, that's it's verse, verse 6. They are going to their inheritance to possess the land. Verse 7, they're serving God. And just four verses later, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And they started serving Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers. And they followed other gods. Verse 13, they forsook the Lord and they served Baal and Ashtaroth, false gods of that region. So much so that God got angry. In fact, not just angry. The Bible says that his anger was hot against them. It was a burning anger. And he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers. That means he, God just 
brought people in and said, here you go, take what they've got. Just take it. He delivered them into the hand of those that would spoil them. That, that's, that's a military term of, of taking the possessions of your captives. And, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies so they could no longer stand before their enemies. And wherever they went, the Bible says in verse 15, the hand of God was against them for evil. Everywhere they turned, God made sure their world just fell apart. God did it. God did it. That's how angry he got at their lifestyle. And the Bible says that they were greatly distressed. So they went from possessing promises and serving God to serving idols and invoking God's anger until they were greatly distressed. And some translations say they suffered very much or they suffered greatly. And Perhaps the worst thing that is said about them really in this entire passage is what we read in verse 10. Read for me, Brother Goff. Verse 10. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew another not the Lord. Which knew not the Lord. Read. Nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Now, they didn't know anything about what God had done. They didn't know anything about the miracles God had performed. They didn't know anything about the power of God that had worked on their behalf. They didn't know the stories of God's great deliverance. They didn't know. In fact, worse than that, they didn't even know God. Now, I'm going to tell you, as I, as I read through this, I've, I've, I've pastored long enough. I've, I've lived for God long enough. That while I, I, it still boggles my mind when a person backslides and, and, and walks away from the church and goes into the world, it, it's, it's mind-boggling to me because I know there's no happiness out there. There's no peace out there. There's nothing out there worth going back to. Just misery and sorrow. But, but you know, I, I, I don't understand it, but I can comprehend it because I've seen it. I can comprehend that entire families have walked away from God. I've, I've watched it happen, unfortunately. And, and usually it ends up working that way if it's a parent 
mother, a father that walks away from God. They drag their children out. And it's um, not always, not always, but, but sometimes it happens. But what I can't understand, Brother Hilton, what I, what, I can't, what I can't wrap my mind around is an entire nation that was founded on the principle of come out and be separate and don't serve other gods. I'm the only God. That, I mean, Abraham was the founder of all of this. And God said, leave your family and serve me. And Abraham left everything to follow after one God. And that's how they were founded was on that principle. And for that entire nation to just throw it all away to the point they didn't even know this God Abraham had served. How could they reach such a place? How is it that you go from a generation that's inheriting promises and serving God to a generation that's serving idols. And God is against them and bringing evil on everything they do. How do you get there? I, I don't claim to have all the answers today, but I do think that there are some indicators given in these verses that I've read to you that kind of give me some clues as to what that first generation had. And as I look at what they had, and then I look at that last generation, I can clearly see where those things are missing. In their lives. So bear with me. This is Sunday morning. It is Bible study time. Bear with me for a few minutes today. As, as we look at this. Just three things that I want to try to take the time today to talk to you about. Three things today that I see in the lives of that first generation. That. I also see very blatantly absent from the lives of the last generation. First of all, the first thing I notice, I pointed out to you that that first generation, that winning generation, they went to possess their inheritance. Read for me Judges 2 verse 6. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance listen, to possess listen. the land. They went every man, every man without exception, went to their inheritance to possess the land. Now remember, we're talking about 25, 30 years 
after they'd crossed the border of Canaan. There's still a lot of territory that hasn't been taken. There's still a lot of ground that they have not yet brought under their control. I said this just recently, but it bears stating again that they did not walk into just empty cities and find keys to empty homes that had stables housing empty chariots and well-groomed horses all to be assumed at no cost to them. That's not the way it worked when they possessed their inheritance. Uh, Oh, stay with me here for a few minutes. Uh, Now, I know that God did promise them cities they didn't build. He promised them houses filled with good things they didn't put there. He promised them wells they didn't dig, vineyards they didn't plant. Uh, But he didn't say, I'm going to give them to you at no price. Well, hallelujah, in order for that first generation, that winning generation to obtain those cities and houses and wells and vineyards, I submit to you this morning, they had to fight for them. There had to be something on the inside of them that said, I want them bad enough. I don't care what my age is. I've got a promise out there and I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to give it everything I've got. Here's Caleb. I'm 80 years old and I'm just as passionate about that mountain as I was way back yonder when I first laid eyes on it. I'm going to fight to to get my inheritance oh hallelujah hallelujah they had a promise from God and they fought to obtain it now I said a while ago we're going to just keep trusting God and do what we know to do but church fighting is a part of what we know to do I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'll I'll come back and talk about it. I just want to point out to you some characteristics of this generation, and we're we're going to deal with it more in depth when we get to the next one. But this generation, this generation had some unfulfilled promises. And they said, we're not just going to sit around and twiddle our thumbs and expect God to just pour it out on us in bucket loads. We're going to fight the devil. We're going to fight the devil. Well, if it means some extra time in prayer, I'm going to spend extra time in prayer. If it means a few extra days of fasting, I'm going to do some extra fasting. If it means reaching out just a little bit more, I'm going to reach out a little bit more. But I'm going to fight for that promise. I'm going to fight until I get everything God has said that is mine. That's the first thing I see. First thing I see. Then, Then the second thing I see in this first generation, this winning generation. And, and, and again, I know a lot of you don't have a history with me that some of the others do, and you'll just have to ask them for verification. But we've got some folks, we've got some folks that have been around for a long, long time 
the Hiltons have been here from the beginning, and I know Brother and Sister Johnson have been here almost from the very beginning. Just shortly after, Sister Christie came in and got the Holy Ghost, and and uh, I think they can testify to the fact that this is just a subject that I've never really spent a lot of time on. I did deal with it recently, and it's just totally unlike me to deal with it. But but when I feel like I got to deal with it, then I got to deal with it. But here's what I see: the second quality that stands out to me about this first generation, this winning generation is they had an attitude of respect toward their leaders and their elders. Look at verse number 7, Judges 2, verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days all of the Joshua. All the days of Joshua. And all the days, all of, the the days elders of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Now listen to me. The people served God as long as these men were in their lives. Joshua was their man of God who had taught them to fight and they'd watched him fight right alongside them. Joshua had been out there in the battle. They knew his passion. They knew his desire. They understood his vision and they wanted to do what their leader wanted them to do. Joshua made it a personal practice to keep God's commandments and he made it clear that he expected the people to do the same thing. Joshua 24 verse 15 most of us know at least a part of this. Read. And if it, seem if evil it unto seems you evil Lord, unto you to serve the Lord, choose you choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the whether gods, the gods which your father which served that were on, that the, were on other the other side, side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. This is the way it's going to be in Joshua's house. This is the life that Joshua's going to live. This is the choice that we're going to make. I'm not interested in learning the way of the heathen. I'm not interested in looking at how the charismatics are doing it. I'm not interested in trying to figure out, amen, what it is that's causing the, the, the mega churches to be a mega church. I just want to serve God. I want to stand on the principles of the word of God and do what pleases him. And when he finished, verse 24, this was their final response. There was a bit of a back and forth. As I think Joshua, he wanted to make sure they really meant it. But, but their final response was verse 24, read. And the people, and the said, people unto Joshua, said unto Joshua, the Lord our God, the Lord will our we serve. God will we serve. And his voice and his will we voice obey. Will we obey. Obey. 
the Lord our God will we serve and his voice will we obey Joshua we've seen it in your life we've watched you we know you mean business and we want you to know we haven't missed it and we're going to serve the God that you serve and we're going to live the things that you teach we're going to do what you expect us to do Joshua you can count on us that's the generation that inherited the promises. They had spiritual leaders in their life and they determined to follow that leadership. The third element I see in the lives of that first generation, that winning generation, is that they had a personal experience with God look at verse 7 again I stopped him short but read Judges 2 verse 7 listen to this and the people, the people served the Lord served all the, Lord, the days of Joshua, all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the, the, elders, of the that elders that outlived Joshua. That outlived Joshua, listen, who had who seen had all seen the great works, all of the, the Lord, great works of the Lord that he did for that Israel. He did for Israel. Listen to this, uh, Amen. Listen, this generation, uh, they had been there. They watched uh, when the waters of the Jordan rolled back. And the priest stood on dry ground with the Ark of the Covenant. Amen. They watched. Amen. As men went and gathered stones, erected a memorial in the middle of that dry riverbed and put one up on the other shore. They watched the waters. The Bible said they stood upon a heap. They're looking at a wall of water. God created his own water dam right there. And the people saw when God did that. They saw it for themselves. They experienced it. And then when the last memorial was erected and the priests began to move, the Bible says that at the moment that the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up unto dry ground, that then the waters of the Jordan retreated unto their place and flowed over all his banks as they did before. They watched when God released the waters and they began to flow again. They were there. They saw it for them. So I feel this today. They saw it for themselves. Listen. They'd made that march around Jericho. Once a day for six days, seven times on the seventh day, not saying a word until on the last lap, on the last day, the priest blew the trumpet. And when he did, they began to shout. And friend, when they started shouting, they watched. Listen, they were participants in that. They had partaken in that. It was their shouting that brought the walls down. It was their worship that gave them victory over that first city. Is anybody hearing me today? They had their own experience. They weren't talking about what grandma saw and what grandpa saw. They had it for themselves. They were there. They watched the walls come down. 
They knew what God had done. Because they'd participated. They had obeyed. They had believed. They had personally been involved and watched it unfold before their eyes. And I want to tell you, really, the other two are necessary. The other two elements are important. But this third one, having a personal experience with God, I'm going to prove to you, is the most important. Oh, hallelujah. You're not done yet, are you? I still got some time here. I, Lord, I, I want to try to get done. I'm, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. Now, let's look at that backslidden generation. Let's look at that fallen generation, that last generation. First of all, see, with that generation, they didn't have to go fight for their promises. They didn't have to fight for their cities, houses, wells, or vineyards. Their forefathers had done it for them. Their forefathers had paid that price. And now they're living in these nice homes. And they're riding around in these chariots. And they're going out getting water out of these wells. And they didn't move one shovel full of dirt. They're living in the fulfillment of the promises. But they didn't pay anything for them. They didn't fight. For their promises. And do you know, do you know, that even, and I, I don't have time today, but I, I'm going to tell you, you can go all the way up into the kings of Israel, and there were still cities that the Israelites never took. There were still areas of the promised land that they had just neglected to ever overthrow. So this generation had an opportunity to fight, just like their forefathers did. But the fight wasn't in them. They were happy to just live in the comfort of the promises that had already been fulfilled. And because they didn't pay for them, they didn't appreciate him. I can remember when I had to start paying for tires. When dad was paying for them, I didn't mind leaving rubber marks. Hello. I'm sure I'm not the only guy. I didn't get any amens, but I'm sure I'm not the only guy that was that way. When Dad was paying for them, I didn't mind burning rubber. As long as Dad wasn't around. But I'm going to tell you, the first time I had to buy a set of tires, I went easy on them. I got to make these things last. Expensive. 
I didn't know those round black things cost so much money. Uh, if, I, if I peeled out a little bit too fast, I'd say, oh God, I wonder if I can glue that back on. When you're having to pay for it, you appreciate it a little bit more. And these people of this last generation didn't fight for anything. There wasn't any fight in them. I I wish that I had more time. Deuteronomy 6, Moses actually warned the people about this very thing. He warned them about this very thing. In fact, this is where this whole statement of cities you didn't build. Let's read. I've got to hurry, but let's read Deuteronomy 6, verses 10 to 14. I've got to hurry, but, but I just want you to see this is where that whole promise comes in. Read it. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, uh-huh. to Abraham, to Isaac, uh-huh. and to Jacob, to give thee great, give you great and, goodly and goodly cities, cities which thou which buildest you build, not, and houses, houses full, of all good things, full of all good things, which thou which fillest you didn't not, fill, and wells dig wells that thou dig, biggest you didn't not, dig them, and vineyards, and vineyards, olive trees, olive trees which thou plantest not, you didn't plant, when thou shalt have you, it, Now listen, full. listen, they didn't. They didn't build the cities or the houses. They didn't dig the wells. They didn't plant the vineyards, but they did fight for them. They had shed some blood to get them. But God said, or Moses says, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that once you've done this and you've moved in, something's going to happen. Read verse 12. Then beware, then beware lest thou forget, the Lord, forget which, the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt uh-huh. from the house of bondage. Yeah. Thou shalt fear the Lord fear thy the God Lord and thy serve, God. Him. serve him. Thou, and shalt swear by his name. Read. Ye shall not Don't go, go after, after other gods, gods and other gods of the people which this are around about you. This was the very thing Moses said. I'm worried once you move in, you're going to forget about God. And you're going to start serving false gods. But they didn't listen to the warning. They were comfortable in those homes. They enjoyed those wells. They enjoyed those vineyards. And there just wasn't any fight in them. And as we've already read, and I won't take the time to read it again, once they got in there and God settled... Then they did evil and started serving Balaam and Ashtaroth. Exactly what Moses said, I'm afraid you're going to do. Let me say something to you today. It's my contention, church, that when we quit fighting, we start failing. Did you hear me? When we quit fighting, We start failing. I want you to consider with me for a moment the great giant killer, David. We know about the sin he committed with Bathsheba. 
But there's one element in that sin you may not be aware of. Some of you are, but some of you may not be. Let's look at 2 Samuel 11, verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when Listen kings to go this. forth to battle. At the time when kings go out to battle. That David sent Joab. David sent Joab and his servants. And his with him. servants. Read. And all Israel. Uh huh. And they destroyed the children of Ammon. Yeah. Besieged Rabbah. Right. But David tarried. But David still at Jerusalem. David wasn't fighting when he should have been fighting. And what happens in the very next verse? And it came to pass. It came to pass in an even time. David arose. David arose from off his bed. bed, Walked walked on the roof of the king's house. house. And from the roof, from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman, woman, I'm telling you, this sin, this sin gripped David's heart at a moment when he should have been fighting. If he'd have been out there on the battlefield, he'd have never seen Bathsheba that night. If he'd have been out there on the battlefield where he was supposed to be, he'd have never committed adultery like he did. But I'm going to tell the moment we stop fighting that's the moment we start failing I'm preaching to you church we gotta get some fight in us we cannot just sit on the church pew and say oh, I'm just gonna get to heaven by the skin of my teeth no 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 when you stop fighting you have started failing I know some people want God to end all their struggles, remove all their battles, but I'm here to tell you, if he did, you'd be lost. We've got to have that fight. We've got to have that fight. Your fight is not my fight. My fight's not your fight. But we got to fight. Now, there are some things that are a joint fight for the whole church. But each individual is going to have their own times of fighting. But I'm going to tell you, there's got to be something in us that we're going to keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. I'm weary. Preacher, all you do is preach about fighting. We're fighting devils all the time. When can we just come to church and enjoy it? Never. Not until we get to the other side. When we get to the other side, we can sit down beside King Jesus, sit down and rest a little while. But until we get to the other side, honey, it's going to be a fight from now until the trumpet sounds. Listen, when that trumpet sounds, that is our retreat. That's when the battle's over. That's when it's all done and we're going home. Hallelujah. But until then, it's a battle. It's a war. And we got to make up our minds. I'm going to fight. The late President Ronald Reagan. Oh, how I miss him. Yes, I was alive during both of his terms. And yes, I voted for him. That's how old I am. Some of you weren't even born until he was dead. In fact, when I was born, Eisenhower was president. That's a ways back there. Now that year, John Kennedy got elected. That was 1960 when he 
in November of 1960, he was elected. He wasn't sworn in until January 61. But, but, but from January of 60 until January of 61, for the first year of my life, Dwight Eisenhower was president. So I've lived through a lot of presidential administrations. Anyhow, that's beside the point. The late President Ronald Reagan made a statement I think many of you have heard, but I couldn't help but think about it in preparation for this message. You know I don't like to read to you because too many people think when I start reading it's bedtime. Please listen to what the great communicator said. He said, and I quote, Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-thought lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. If you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in America when men were free. I want to tell you something. I don't want to spend my sunset years telling my children and my children's children what it used to be like in the apostolic church. I don't want to spend my sunset years talking about what once was, what Verbal Bean saw, what, what Elder Westberg saw. I want to fight now and hand to them something worth fighting for. It's time to get off the rooftop and back onto the battlefield. Oh, Jesus, help me today. I got to hurry. The backslidden generation did not fight. Secondly, they didn't have spiritual leadership in their life. We read to you in verses 8 through 10, Judges chapter 2, that Joshua died. Verse 8 and verse 9, they buried him. Verse 10, oh, this is too bad. I'm skipping over this. I was going to let you read, pronounce these words for me, but I got to hurry. You got saved by the clock. Verse 10, and that generation was gathered to their fathers. All of those spiritual leaders died. And then a generation arose 
which didn't know God. So there were spiritual leaders, but once those leaders were gone, there was no leader that took their place. I'm telling you, this backslidden last generation didn't have spiritual leadership in their life. In fact, the only way that God was able to get them to even look his direction again was if he would raise up some leader for a period of time. Judges chapter 2, skipping down to verses 18 and 19, read. And when the Lord raised them when up the judges. When the Lord raised them up judges. Then the Lord was with the judge. Then the Lord was with that judge. And delivered them out of the hand of he their enemies the all the days of the, of the judge. Yes. For it repented. The yes. Lord, because of their groanings, by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed yes. them. Yes. And it came but to listen, pass. listen, it came to pass. When the judge was when the dead. the judge was dead. That they returned. They returned. And corrupted themselves, corrupted more, themselves than their fathers, more than their fathers. And following other following gods other to serve gods them. To serve and to them. bow down unto them. Yes. They ceased not, they from, their cease own doing, not from their own doing. Nor doings, from their stubborn nor ways. Nor from their stubborn ways. The moment... That their spiritual leader was dead. They immediately returned to their old lifestyle of sin. In fact, they would go back with a passion. They'd go back and get into worse sin than they ever had before. I submit to you this morning that the minute you start going after the things of this world, the minute that your carnal flesh starts pulling at you more than it has before, you need to immediately check and see whether you are truly submitted to your spiritual authority. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Praise God. I'm preaching to somebody here this morning. I'm trying to help somebody here this morning. I'm trying to tell you today, amen, you've got to have some spiritual authority in your life. Come on, let's, let's talk to God for just a minute. Let's talk to God for just a minute. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. I don't mind telling you what happened. My page six is gone. I don't know what happened to my last page of notes. I didn't give it to you, did I? All right, well, thank God for electronics. I got it. I got it right here. Thank God for some good glasses. Amen. Spiritual authority. Spiritual authority acts like an umbrella in your life. The moment you step out from under it, you become susceptible to anything and everything that's floating around. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when you start having spiritual problems, check your level of submission to authority. There's probably an issue there. That's what happened to them. The third thing, the third thing, this backslidden generation, this last generation did not have a personal experience with God. Read verse 10 for me again. 
We've read it a few times, but read it again. Judges 2, verse 10. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Now, now look, they didn't know God. They didn't know the works he had done for Israel. And it becomes evident the minute their spiritual leader was not present. That's when they started sinning. Now look, look. In contrast to this, I could spend some time this morning talking to you about the three Hebrews. I know of at least two major tests in their life. One, they were tested with their spiritual leader, Daniel the prophet. They were tested in the matter of the king's meat. They did what the leader told them to do. They followed his example. And they came out victorious. But the next time they're tested, the leader's not there. He's not present. I don't know where he was. He, he was... He was in a position of leadership in the kingdom. He was in a political position. He may have been sent on some mission for the king. I don't know where he was, but he wasn't present. But let me just, I don't want you to misunderstand. He wasn't gone. His influence was not gone. His presence may not have been there physically, but his influence was still as much there as it had ever been. And that's what I'm trying to get at. Amen. I'm telling you, amen, that, that you, if you've got a real relationship with God, you're not going to lose the influence of your spiritual leadership. Amen. But I'm, I'm telling you today, amen, that you, you, you can never try to live without the influence of spiritual leadership. But you also should never try to live only because of that spiritual leadership being present in your life. At some point, church, you've got to learn to pray. Not because I tell you to, but because you know you've got to have your own experience with God. At some point, you've got to learn to fast. Not because I tell you to but because you know you need your own experience with God at some point you gotta learn to read your Bible every day not because I tell you to but because you know you gotta have your own personal experience with God at some point you gotta reach the lost not because I tell you to but because you know you gotta have your own personal experience with God hallelujah I'm telling you I'm telling you something's got to happen we don't know what's coming in the days ahead I thank God I thank God that during the first lockdown, we had good church remotely. I thank God for that. I thank God that he showed us we could. But I don't know. I don't know what's coming. And if we get shut down again, 
We may have to go remote for a while. But there may come a day that we're going to be like the early church. And I'm going to tell you something. It wasn't a pandemic they were afraid of. If they got caught getting together, it meant death. Not it meant the potential of getting sick. It meant either imprisonment or death. Just for getting caught for coming together. And yet they did it anyhow. I'm going to tell you, it wasn't because of their relationship with the leader that made them do that. And it really wasn't even because they were trying to inherit some promises that made them do that. You know what kept them coming? You know why they were willing to risk death? It's because they had an experience with God for themselves. And they said, I don't care what it costs me. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up on my relationship with God. Well, I'm preaching to some folks here today. Now, I've got to close. Musicians, come. I've, I've kept you longer than what I planned to keep you. I've got to close. But listen to me. Here's what blows my mind about all of this. If I'm understanding these verses correctly, and I know I don't have it down to be read again, but somewhere, somewhere on all these pages, if you, I don't know, I don't know where, but somewhere in all these pages, figure out for me, brother Goff, if you would, verses. I want verses seven and eight together, and they may not be together anywhere. In all these notes, we may have to just find verse 7 and then find verse 8. But I want to show you something. If we're just going to take this the way it's written, I want to show you something that really blows my mind. Verse 7, and I'm sorry, Brother Kaiser, this is not in my notes, but I want to show you something. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Read for me verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, uh-huh. who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Yeah, 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 I'm sorry, it wasn't verse 8 that I wanted. We want to go then, we want to skip from there, we want to skip down to verse 10. Because verses 8 and 9 just talk about Joshua dying, being buried. Verse 9, that generation dies and is buried. So again, I want you to follow. They're serving God as long as Joshua and the elders live. Verse 8, Joshua dies, is buried. Verse 9, the elders die and they're buried. Verse 10 says... And also all that generation all were gathered that unto their, gathered fathers, their fathers. And there arose and there another arose generation another after generation. them. Which it knew not sounds the Lord. to me. It sounds to me. Like this backslidden generation arose immediately on the heels of the winning generation. It sounds to me like there was only one generation that enjoyed the promises of God in Canaan land. It sounds to me like After just one generation, they became the last generation to really know what spiritual blessings were all about. The first and the last. 
an amazing and sad picture this really is. Saints of God, let us, let us fight the enemy. Let us follow our leaders. And let us faithfully love and obey our God. And if we do, we can be the winning generation. Oh, let's stand today. Let's stand, let's stand. I know, I know my time's up. It's past gone way longer today than I planned I'm concerned I am concerned about our country I am concerned honestly that we may be the last generation to know the kinds of freedoms we currently enjoy in this country we really may but I'm far more concerned about our spiritual condition. Because I, I wonder if people are having a hard time living for God in today's climate. How are they going to make it with what's coming? Something's got to rise up in us. Something's got to rise up in us. We're going to have to get some fight. We're going to have to learn to follow. We got to learn to be faithful to Him. Get a relationship with Him. Don't try to get to heaven on my relationship. Young people don't try to get to heaven on your parents' relationship. Husband, wife, don't try to get to heaven on your spouse's relationship. Friend today, don't try to get to heaven on somebody else's prayers for you. I'm telling you, this is an individual thing. And nobody can pray you into heaven you got to make up your mind. If you're going to be a part of the winning generation, it's going to be because you decided to fight for it. These altars are open. I know we're beyond our time. I know. But I can't apologize and I can't just dismiss you today. I'm telling you, there's such a burden on my heart right now. Is there anybody else that's feeling what I'm feeling? Oh, God. Oh, God. I've got some promises I want to fight for. Lord, God, don't let me grow comfortable with the way I am. Oh, Jesus. 
That's it, saints. Come on, let's cry out to God. Let's fight. Let's fight. Let's fight. Let's fight.